0: Hi everyone! Welcome to Six Fifths. I'm Stan, and I'm Everett. So we decided to start up this new podcast. Uh, you might be kind of wondering why are two people in their twenties who are in college or just graduated from college sitting here acting like they know something on a podcast? Well, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I came up with this idea that we, as twenty-year-olds, have a lot of things that we don't talk about a lot, and we we all of a sitting here go to MIT, and a lot of people on campus have misconceptions about certain issues that are important to campus, and some of them, and a lot of people have conversations within their own groups about it, but there's not a lot of outward discourse about these issues, and so mm-hmm. we're here sitting on this on the
1: air to provide that. So. The thing is that we're not going to present one-sided opinions on things. We're not going to talk about how... We're not going to talk about how MIT is so hard and it's a fire hose and you get blasted in the face. Ah! Yeah, both of
0: us that were sitting here are not people who were super insane or are super insane during undergrad uh, by any means at all. I'm pretty normal, pretty average.
1: And I think you'll find, if you listen to us for an extended period of time, that the fire hose can be modulated. You really don't have to get yourself sprayed extra hard in the face to be successful at MIT, nor do I, I feel this way anyway, should you be expected to.
0: And some of the stuff we'll talk about doesn't just apply to people at MIT. A lot of the stuff that we look at will be through the lens of... Um, the two of us who are here, but these issues that we're going to talk about have broader claims also, so we'll mention those when applicable.
1: Right, and it's important to note that uh, we're also not anti-establishment in any, by any means. Um, certainly, there's a lot of grievances that people have against the administration, and perhaps vice versa, but everybody has their own sort of priorities, their own things that they want to see um, out of MIT, and things that they want MIT to be. So this is more of a nuanced take on all of this stuff. If you want anti-establishment, sign up to something like EC Discuss.
0: Yeah, and be a part of the flame war that will happen whenever these issues come up. Okay, so anyway, that's what this show is going to be, and so we hope you keep on listening to it. We also have here Evan. He is running our sound, and you might hear from him from time to time. uh, But... But if you don't, we credit him for making part of this possible also. Uh, A little bit more about me. I'm Stan. I graduated last year from MIT. Currently, I work at the Broad Institute, which is a lab right across the street from MIT, doing research on genetic causes of cancer, Uh, and yeah, I'm 22 years old, i play video games and other things and in general just hang out on my free time so
1: yeah um i'm everett i'm 20 so i graduate in 2017 but i was a member of the class of 2016 i took a year off from mit after my first sophomore fall um perhaps that is something that will come up in discussion later i am i major in cms comparative media studies I want to go to graduate school for media studies, particularly to study video games. Um, so I'm a really huge academic nerd. I read a lot of books and all that stuff. Uh, I'm a member of a fraternity, Alpha Delta Phi, as is Stan. Yes,
0: and Evan. So we're we are our, our fraternity, um for reference, is pretty mild in terms of terms of what you might think of a fraternity, but just so you're aware, we do talk about things in relation to that, but I was also in the newspaper and have a lot of connections to people on campus, so I am not talking from a position of just living in the frat house all day.
1: Indeed, in the future, we're going to bring people in from different perspectives. We are committed to addressing things from many different viewpoints, and even we are limited, right? So look forward to seeing other people maybe even who knows what maybe even professors if we become successful enough come in and discuss stuff with us
0: then i have a few grad student friends and people who are also out in the real world who will help us talk about some things and give us some more very perspective on stuff so yeah
1: so stan i don't think you mentioned did you mention your major
0: no i didn't mention my major uh I didn't do I didn't do that because that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna to talk about some of the stuff about major MIT. You're giving me that look, like it's really corny, but whatever. So So yeah. I was course twenty, biological engineering at MIT. We at MIT refer to all our majors as numbers, so we will try our best to refer to them as the actual major, for those who aren't as familiar with that. But if we if we slip up every so often, that's our disclaimer that that might happen. Uh, so yeah, and I think that biological engineering is a very interesting major because not a lot of people know what it is. Like, some people within the major don't really know what it is either. Um, how, the, how the major is structured is that it's basically all the bio classes, the, the core bio classes that you need, and then... A few extra classes that are biomechanics, fluid dynamics, like there's a there's a build project class, then the first project is build your own microscope. And it's a lot of this random seemingly random engineering stuff, which gives you a really broad perspective, but not a lot of depth in any particular area. Which is good because then you can look it up for yourself, but you also end up running into the question, like I did when you go to interviews, that... What do you do? Yes. Are, are you an engineer or a scientist? I'm not sure what you do. I got that question at pretty much every single interview I went to. And that is an answer, a question that you have to learn to answer for yourself. And that's actually kind of hard for some people.
1: And yeah. A lot of the majors at MIT, especially the newer ones, course 20 is relatively new.
0: Yeah. They started accepting undergrads in 2009. Wow, that's yeah. newer
1: than CMS. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, some of the majors are very, very new. And some of them, despite being old, like for architecture, are now very small. So they don't get a lot of recognition, either because of their size or their newness.
0: Yeah. For reference, last last year for enrollment, this is coming straight from the MIT Registrar, there are 26 total undergrads in the architecture department versus 213 in, for the graduate department, because getting an MR is just something that you need to do, but uh, not a lot of undergrads here major in architecture.
1: Right. And there are other majors, like uh, one, which is civil and environmental engineering. Uh, many of the humanities majors, all of which are folded into what is called course 21. And some of the life science majors are kind of small. If I, As far as I'm aware, some of the majors like biology, seven, and chemistry, five. Many they're very highly populated by pre-medical students um, and not very many people who simply major in those things. It introduces a very strange dynamic compared to the other majors at MIT that you're probably going to hear about a lot. um, Six, electrical engineering, computer science, EECS. uh, Two, mechanical engineering. Ten, chemical engineering. These courses that sort of are the things you might think about when you think about someone who goes to MIT. These smaller courses don't have as much recognition. And another difficult thing is that even though these courses are sort of small, they can cover very broad topics. So it can be kind of isolating to be in these small majors because, first of all, you just don't have that many friends in your major. The pool of people is smaller, and the diversity within the field is large.
0: Yeah, this this is a, you you see, in this on both sides of the spectrum when you're in a bigger major like electrical engineering computer science especially in the computer science side i definitely have many friends in that major who coalesce together because they are all doing basically the same thing they have they'll have different specializations of the two classes that you take that you get to pick on your own uh, but because a lot of engineering majors here tend to be very strict um Computer science, electrical engineering is no exception. So a lot of them end up in the same pot. Uh, This is compared to my major, uh, where I didn't really have a lot of friends in my major until the very end when I was forced to work with some people for a a project class. And don't get me wrong, that was super great, and they're all awesome people. I didn't really get to know them before because... They 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 aren't necessarily interested in the same things that I was interested in. So I what I did for my research was very different from what they did. And getting to know people through your UROP, um, your und- undergraduate research opportunity um, program is essentially a chance for you to work in a lab. A lot of people in different majors, especially course seven and course five, I know they they will often meet people in their major through their labs, and my lab had one other person in it, and she was
1: not in my major. Right. And as far as uh, comparative media studies is concerned, the thing is that at MIT, comparative media studies is largely focused on production. So you're interested in especially video games. You're interested in video game design, just game design in general, but especially video games, Um, how to make good stuff. There is a good amount of classes having to do with theory, but this is more on the line of you take this because you're interested in it and you need some humanities credit or something like that. You want to learn this stuff just to make better games, whereas I sort of have a more like high-flown theoretical interest. So it can be kind of isolating because nobody else in CMS who is interested in video games, in fact, a lot of the professors don't even have these kinds of interests, no, none of them really can empathize with me or form a sort of circle that I can talk to about the things I'm interested in.
0: Yeah, that also happened to be a little bit, I think it's less of a problem now because there is one professor in particular that I know is into this stuff, but I was interested when I was a sophomore about the intersection of neurobiology with... With biological engineering, and there's there's a few professors that did that, uh, but so but I b- partially partially my bad didn't really contact those professors, so I did something that was more pure neuroscience, and that was that was cool, but it was also not what my friends were doing, and not really, I did I didn't meet people like that,
1: right? Yeah, and the thing is that it kind of sucks that some of these majors have sort of low key. Um, notability, because when you come to MIT, often the major you get tracked to is 6, EECS. Um, there's a sort of attitude, it seems, that Course 6 is the default major, and this is not surprising. About one-third of all of MIT students are in Course 6 yep. at any given time.
0: There are about... There are about a thousand, give or take, undergrads that come to MIT every year, and according to last year's enrollment numbers, 350 of um, them—about, I'm rounding down—I think—about 350 of them declared some flavor of course six. Course six, electrical engineering and computer science, has four different tracks. You can be electrical engineering, you can be both E and CS, you can be just CS, or you can be computer science and molecular biology. I don't like 6, 7,
1: but... Which is the molecular biology
0: one. Yeah. I, I, I truly think that if you wanted to get the real real um, depth of what computational biology is supposed to be, you should be biological engineering because they do a much better job at this than course, than course uh, than Course 6 does. But that's just my opinion. I know that some people who are really interested in biology and kind of want to learn code and algorithms do end up doing... Um, the 6-7 track, and they find it fun. But I don't know a ton of people who actually go into computational biology from that. In fact, I don't know any. Most of them just end up doing software.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And the sense that Course 6 is a default major sort of carries over in time in a lot of the ways that people will interact with you. Um, I remember when I was a freshman, I would tell people that at the time I was planning to major in both CMS and Course 6, And I remember, you know, I would tell people, oh, I I want to major in CMS and 6, and they would say, oh, you mean 6 and CMS, you know, as if 6 was the major that would naturally come first, and then CMS, the side major. Um, And I think that generally the attitude at MIT is that everyone at MIT is an engineer, and forget all the people who aren't majoring in that. (laughs) So this sort of, like, tracks to the side some of the people who are majoring in the sciences or in the humanities courses, and they do exist, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah, they definitely do, though there are four times as many people who major in engineering than anything else, right? Right, so
1: certainly it's not an unreasonable thing, I suppose, for people to assume that those at MIT are just planning on being engineers, but it can get a little crappy sometimes. Yeah,
0: I, I think there's kind of an urban legend, too, that's pretty old that, you know, if you're an engineer that you don't truly really have a life, you kind of just sit inside your major and do all your own work, and, it's, I mean, I don't that's know. That's absolutely not true at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't believe that.
1: Yeah, I would say that um, I'm probably significantly more committed to my academics than most of the engineering majors I know, which is, like, totally fine because, again, I'm interested in academia. But you would think the opposite, right? You would think that all the engineers would be sitting around doing math all day, trying super hard to finish all of their problem sets in the eight classes that they're taking or something like that. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, not so much.
0: But I think you also end up with the the occurrence that since there are more people in engineering, you do tend to hear these people complain more. And that ends up being the much louder voice, even though somebody, especially in a major like architecture, they do a crap ton of work. Like, most architecture programs are five-year programs, not four. Right. Ours is a four-year program. Yep. And so all, I, I I actually knew an um, architecture major. Um, she graduated two years ago. And, yeah, like, doing studio for that takes a crap ton of time and stuff more so than some engineering majors put in but you don't hear about those people who spend their time in studio you hear about the people who are complaining about the algorithms and the and the um uh computer computer systems engineering is that what six level five is i don't remember
1: uh something that like that is. yeah it's basically an intro to programming class with java yeah with many many projects <laughs> They've class they've made that fun. they've made
0: that class easier over have the years they? too, and people still complain about it. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: it's it's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But talking about course for a while, you have this pulled up. I have to wonder what's the attrition in architecture?
0: The attrition in architecture. So in 2013, there were 10 sophomores. So fresh so fresh this is in the fall, so freshmen have just turned into sophomores and you declare your major at the end of your freshman year. So there were ten sophomores in in architecture at the at the beginning of twenty
1: thirteen.
0: And at the beginning of twenty fourteen there were ten juniors in architecture. Oh wow. So zero. The addition in that major I mean Given given these are numbers they don't show you might have swap had one person drop and swap one person right in. right I think that's harder in, in this course um than other majors because yeah there's not a lot of overlap with architecture you're pretty and, um, and other things but but yeah there was no attrition that year
1: wow that's pretty incredible yeah. well on the other hand what's the course with the most attrition
0: so I just given just looking at the numbers that I have here it looks like course 20 biological <laughs> engineering <laughs> tends to be So your major. With <laughs> the most attrition in 2013 there were 70 people who declared course 20 and at the at the beginning of 2014 there were there was 52. But oh twi- but about 20 out of 70 that's a little less than a third of your major decides to leave it. Oh man, that's, that's not particularly a great thing. In one thing. year, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what
1: about your class?
0: My class, uh, my class in particular. So, I would have declared my major in 2011,
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, so I would have declared. I would have declared my major in 2011. Uh, so, just looking at 20, so looking at the 2011 numbers, there were 75 people that started in biological engineering in 2011. When I graduated um in twenty thirteen, so there were also people that dropped after my senior fall. So oh. these and these people didn't graduate or right. move to a different major. But there were so you started off at seventy five mm-hmm. and the year I graduated and the fall, there were forty four seniors.
1: Oh goodness. Yes. That's a pretty big drop off.
0: Yes. So you lost thirty one people.
1: Oof. Yeah. I mean certain courses are particularly infamous for having certain classes that force people to drop things like well actually most of the ones that i've heard of are actually course 20 yes now that i think about it, yeah course 20 has one particular
0: class and this is not to scare people that that have that are thinking of majoring in biological engineering i think it's a really great major if you stick with it but the, it's it's still new, it's still learning. So the one class in particular that Everett's referring to that a lot of, of course 20 overclassmen refer to is called 2320. It's basically a computational kinetics class where you model different biochemical phenomena that you learn in biochemistry class and basically put that on the computer and you make models with it. There are projects. This class in particular has the biggest problem of they tell you that the project is supposed to be in MATLAB a uh, programming language, and they tell you that and they don't teach you it. They just tell you to do this project in MATlab and while now they have it uh, they have computational problems as PSAT questions and I do think that less people drop it now a lot of people before my year and before drop this class a lot because they my year they didn't actually have any problem sets so it was just the project and that went so terribly ah yes like ridiculously terribly i
1: remember when this was happening my goodness I,
0: i was not having fun yes i was having very much
1: negative fun at that point i mean so for context in our house I think sans year There were four course twenties or five, something like that. Five. And five. all of them pretty much disappeared for the entire semester because of this one class. Yes. All and of us
0: passed. No, well, one of us dropped.
1: One of one of one you of dropped. dropped it, yeah. But the rest of you passed it, which yeah. is actually pretty ridiculous. Yes. He d- he
0: did. The guy who dropped did pass the class the next year. Yes. Yeah.
1: So it's all good. But I think the question that comes after this is a lot of people. Drop this. Drop this in their senior year. Drop I mean, it. In. It's a class of you generally do. You take it. Well, when I you're mean, a junior. I mean, drop course twenty. Oh, biological yeah. engineering. They,
0: they they would drop it by the time that, they would drop it either like late junior year or they would drop it when they were seniors.
1: So that's pretty late to drop drop a major. Yeah. And poor design of a major aside, right? I think you might wonder, like, what are the signs? That I want to drop this major. Because a lot of people... The attitude at MIT is when you encounter difficulty, you power through it.
0: Yes. And while this is noble, you, this is sometimes very inadvisable and can lead you to put you through yourself through a lot of stress, which you
1: didn't need to go through. Right. And so the idea is if you're in a major and you hate everything and the classes are destroying you and you don't really think it's that fun and you're a sophomore... <laughs> it might be time to think about switching. But granted, said-
0: granted, you probably shouldn't... This you, The sophomore-level classes, especially in engineering majors mm-hmm. that have designated more or less sophomore-level classes, you might not want to take the major just by that. Yes. Yeah, and I, I know that's why a lot of sophomores do drop Course, course 20 bioengineering engineering because they don't like the thermodynamics class, but I don't think I use... That really again in <laughs> course twenty. I mean, there were concepts that came up, but they rehashed it in later classes for us. The concepts we need to know, so that class was just badly taught in general.
1: <laughs> but I mean, the the thing is that it's always an option changing your major. Of course, the the question then is, what do I change my major to? There's probably something that you can find. Um, if you're a software, you can change your major in just about anything because right. most
0: of the majors. If you were committed, you could definitely get through them even but though you declared a sophomore the, spring, right? The,
1: the thing is that you don't, uh, you don't want to put yourself in the same position by declaring a random major. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That's not the major you're in. Yeah, that's right? true. And I think the thing is, the, the clue is to find what it, it might be in that major that attracted you to it in the first place before you decide to drop it. And then find another major that does that better. yeah. Like, I wanted to be Core 6 in EECS, mostly focusing on CS, because I wanted to make games. And I found over time that I actually don't really like the process of making games. At least, the computer science side of it, I think that is really boring. I actually found that I like design a lot more. And CMS focuses a lot more on design than it does on focusing on development, which you know kind of sucks if you want to be in the industry. But, eventually I also found that I cared a lot more about theoretical theoretical interest than I do making games at all. And if I had stayed in 6, I would have hated it the whole time because it turns out I don't really even care about developing games. So rather than just sticking it out, do devote some thought into whether you want to change your major. And another thing to think about is double majoring.
0: Yes, though double majoring does take work obviously, uh, especially if you're thinking about majoring in two different engineering majors, though I didn't know that many people who did that. Yes. I did know a couple of people who did that, but these people, and we'll have an entire podcast dedicated to these type of people um, that are the type of people who take seven classes in a semester. Yes. and then, These people exist, Yes, me. Yeah, and I mean, if you're out there and not from MIT and seven classes at your college – is probably hard. Now imagine seven classes at MIT, and that is insanely difficult. These people have a special kind of thing in them that I don't quite understand. I I
1: don't have that. I do not have that. It ends up taking over your life. Yes. Even if it's not... Even if you find the seven classes easy, it's just so much work that you're doing classes all the time. You don't really have a social life when you're taking that many classes. And for some people, that's... A sacrifice that they want to make and we'll talk about more about that at a later time but for other people it's not something that you need to do even if you're double majoring you don't need to take seven classes a semester if you're smart about it you can probably double major with maybe five at most per semester
0: yeah you can especially if you're in a major that double counts um, mm-hmm. the, the double counts it with your primary major this is why a lot of people will double in math and computer science because math, the math and computer science classes will count towards your math major because they're cross-listed in that department. Yes. Yeah, this is also why people, what's, what's another common combination? Um, there's majors in general that just have lower number of requirements. Yes. Um, like a lot of science majors, people will double dip between science majors a lot
1: yes. in general. Yes. So, the point here is that at MIT, majors require a little bit of investigation if you really want to know everything about every major because you look at a huge list and pretty quickly you'll probably realize that nobody really talks about the majority of the departments. Most of the things you're going to hear about have something to do with mechanical engineering or ECS or chemistry or mathematics. The majors, that have a lot of people in them. And so if you want to know something more about Some of the majors that people don't talk about often say architecture or comparative media studies or, or
0: getting the truth about what biological engineering actually is or brain and cog sci
1: (laughs) course nine. The thing is, can can
0: we stop and talk about course nine for a second? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, I, I was once very seriously thinking about double majoring in brain and cognitive science. And I decided not to, partially because I didn't want to do that much work for something that, I there's something that I already found that course twenty could do better, but also the classes in that department are, eh, mediocre. I mean, the, the
1: the thing is that you would hear that and you think, okay, well, it's really just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, psychology, but yeah. isn't it isn't really. They're very focused on neuroscience. It's just that. There is a tension in the major, in the classes between the psychology and cognitive science classes. Yeah, parts. yeah.
0: There's there there's been a non-zero number of cases where, because of ideological differences, there will be a professor, two professors who teach the class. Um, there was a there was a um one of my the grad student that I was working for, her best friend was a TA for a class. She was talking about how. The two professors who were teaching this class, one of them was the advisor of the other one when they were a grad student. Oh, they did not see eye to eye, and it was oh, hard for God. them to work on this class together, <laughs> and that wasn't fun. <laughs> there, I also found that there, the professors in radio content sciences are very into their research, and that is really great if you want to do research with them this tends to not do so hot for their classes because they some of them are are really animated um the one guy i knew who's super animated has actually left mit <laughs> um uh, sadly but but, as, but aside from but aside from that i i took enough classes to get a minor in invading cognitive science and you know maybe it was worth it maybe not uh, i will never i will never know what i could have done with that extra <laughs> time but i do know that taking a class in computer vision under a under reading cognitive sciences was not a good idea you should have taken that under computer science where it
1: belongs i see <laughs> <laughs> well to close this out um the last thing i'm going to mention you you brought up right um the idea of the professors care so much about the research that they don't care about you, the undergraduate. So, this is a thing, you might think at MIT everybody is like this, but no. Um, another thing about like, majors that can really help is changing your advisor, or just getting more out of your advisor than you had been before. It's really important to know what advisors in different majors tend to be like, and whether there could be another advisor who gels with you better. And if you're thinking about changing your major, it's a good idea to talk to your advisor before you do this. And people's relationships with their advisors can vary. but Yeah, you should at least – I know many
0: people – I'm pretty sure this is not just unique to my major. I know a lot of people in other majors did this. They just talked to their advisor just to register for classes. I talked to my advisor. I talked to my advisor more than that, especially when I was having a hard time figuring out what I really wanted to do after I graduated uh, when I was a junior. So definitely pump your advisor for information because they're they're there for a reason. And people did not actually my advisor was not that popular among other people surprisingly, but I found it to be very good. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Use the resources you have. This is probably something you're going to hear a lot from us. Because there tends to be this sort of lone wolf attitude that people perpetuate about MIT. Where it's sort of like, yeah, you come here and you're on your own and you get destroyed. But in reality, there's a lot lot there to help you. People use these resources maybe more than they say, sometimes in promotional material. And even then, they don't use them as much as they should. Yeah.
0: I think it's very easy to hear people just say this and then see the people around you that have like the company you keep um, will not go to office hours not go to the like student support services and they'll just try to power through everything and you will watch some of your friends be miserable and I'm pretty sure that applies to basically any college you can go to not just here mm-hmm. and that's really sad you should. Really reach out to other other people, especially your advisor, um, course administrators also, if you mm-hmm. need advice on certain classes. You you were talking about that, Everett, how yes. course administrators could be useful. I know my course administration wasn't that useful, uh-huh. but, yes. but yours was. Right, and these things <laughs> yeah. are going
1: to depend on the course and what sort of things you're interested in, what classes you take, and other things like that as to which resources are interesting. And that takes some time to figure out too, so definitely – Do some investigation into that. Talk to other people, too, not just uh, official resources, but to your friends, to people in the same major, to professors teaching courses. There's a lot out there to help you if you think that you can't really take what's going on. You don't have to hide yourself away and power through it and, you know, have a terrible semester just because your classes are giving you a whole lot of trouble.
0: Yeah. And I will say this multiple times and you will hear this saying every supportive thing you could hear when you were a freshman or even sometimes when you're a senior because people freak out about getting jobs and stuff. Uh, you should never go at anything in college alone. Like that is, I I really feel I was fortunate to have developed a support group through my fraternity, through the clubs that I was in, that really got me through it. And there was a point in time where I considered leaving because mm. I was not having fun one bit. I was very I was very <laughs> miserable. I think I as like, yeah through this, but I had I I had friends around me. I had people that I extensively talked to for hours um i talk to my parents a lot uh yeah do call your parents once in a while but we we probably won't cover that again Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah but the point is definitely 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 go out go out there be a little be a little social so you get to know somebody uh even if they're not in your major because most of my friends weren't in my major because uh, of the points I said before. But I still found people who at least were willing to listen to me talk about biology every so often. <laughs> and and that, was, that, 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 that was really all you need.
1: Right. Yeah. So perhaps next time we can talk about social spheres, getting to know people at MIT, the difficulties of that, and the advantages of being at MIT from a social perspective. So this was Six Fifths. I'm Everett. I'm Stan, and if you want to send us mail, we're on the email
0: at six fifths, like spelled out. You're
1: on the email.
0: <laughs> we have an email. <laughs> Maybe we'll get more stuff, but now we have an email. It's six fifths at mit.edu. Uh, so you can send a spell there. You can complain about what we're talking about, or you can give us feedback um, and say you suggestions? like us. Oh. Yeah, suggestions. We wanna. We really want to talk about things that you know the average MIT person like wants to hear about, and and not just the top stories that you hear from the admissions vloggers or the crazy people who talk a lot. Right. right. Yeah. So,
1: see you next time. See ya. Uh you. Uh-huh.